Today, I'll be talking with Madeline from New York, New York. Welcome to the podcast, Madeline. Let's talk. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, great to have you. Um, when, when the pandemic first hit or the virus first hit, um, what was your initial reaction, especially, you know, uh, within the first little while, uh, you know, when, when New York just, you know, they were the big thing when it hit North America. So what was your reaction at first before and then when it's, you know, when it hit your city? Of course. So when the pandemic first hit, I was actually unemployed, uh, living at home with my mom. Um, and I was um, earlier the year before I graduated with my master's in public health. So I was excited to get the ground, hit the ground running, um, get a job in public health, something that I'm really passionate about. And then the virus hit. So no one was hiring. Um, there was a lot of confusion about what was going on, how long thing, this was going to last. Some folks thought it was going to be temporary when others were predicting much longer. Um, and so I kind of, um, I was very blessed to be at home with my mom um, out on Long Island and just be with her. Um, that way I wasn't alone when it first hit. And I was a little confused because um, working in this field of public health, I was really blessed to have the knowledge and um have folks that I could communicate with about the virus and what's going on. Um, I had a little bit better of an understanding of it than maybe some friends of mine. So um, pretty early on, I was hit with a lot of questions about what does this mean? How is this similar? Because um, this is also known as SARS-CoV-2. So this is not the first time we've had a virus like this in our world's history. So um, this is it brought up a lot of questions and basically what I just told folks is, listen, you need to listen to the department of health. You need to listen to our government. And if they're saying you need to stay home to consistently wash your hands and wear a mask and stay away from others, that's what you need to do. Um, like whatever we can do to help. Um, and so as I was kind of waiting for, maybe I was going to get an unemployment check. Maybe I was going to get a job. Um, I got a message one day on LinkedIn and it was a recruiter saying, Hey, like I saw your resume and you have a master's in public health. Are you employed right now? And I said, well, if you saw my resume, that means I am not employed. Um, and I'm desperately looking for work because I, I mean, as much as I love being home with my mother, it was, I'm 25. Well, now I'm 26, but at the time I was 25, I was itching to, leave and get a place of my own, um, maybe moving um, back to Manhattan. And so um, they reached out and they said, hey, um, we are a recruiter for New York City Health and Hospitals, and uh, we would like to hire you if you're interested to be a contact tracing supervisor. And so um, pretty early on, that was in May. And so towards the end of April, early May, when they first kind of came out with this job set, they were I'm still trying to figure out the logistics, but they're like, listen, you are the first wave of hires if you're interested, because what they were looking for were folks in the public health arena that knew the language, knew the science, but they weren't um, like, I guess, too science heavy. They were able to also communicate with the public. So (laughs) so I kind of thought this is the perfect opportunity because I love health and I love talking. So this works out well for me. 
Um, and I was really lucky to get a position as a case investigator supervisor. Um, so for, well, and, and, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> uh, no, I was just going to say how, how big were the numbers? Like when you got that call, was it, was it already blown up the way that, you know, that we had heard, you know, from, you know, because uh, we, we, you know, we watched the news a lot and we were, you know, um, closely watching what was going on um, in New York and it didn't look good. Um, was this at the, just the start of that or was it already, uh, you know, as big as it got? Um, well, this was in May. So, um, I mean, I don't think we were seeing crazy large numbers, even though we probably should have. I think it was just a result of a lack of folks wanting to go out and get tested. Um, so I think this was kind of before the big hit that we saw in the summertime. But as we were, uh, we were in the trainings. So what they did was they hired the supervisors first and they hired um, like a couple hundred of us and we were trained and we started, we were the ones making the phone calls saying like, hi, you've tested positive for COVID-19. Um, and while we were doing that, they were training the actual case investigators and the case monitors and all the folks that now today you hear making the phone calls saying you've been exposed or you may be positive. Um, so I was lucky enough to see both sides of the story, I guess, and um, what it's like to make those calls to people because it is not an easy job. It is um, like we talk about burnout. There is a lot of burnout in this job. Oh, I can imagine. It's, yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. It's, um, so I was hired in May. We started around the end of May, early June. So now we've been in this job for coming on seven months. And uh, we, the amount of people that you call in a day is a lot. <laughs> like we started my day when we first started back in May, early June, I was making maybe about 20 to 30 calls a day, which in a nine hour shift sometimes felt like a lot and sometimes it felt pretty slow. Now we're seeing almost double that amount in the time that we're given for our shifts. Um, like the amount of calls that come in because now we have children going to schools and we have parents calling in with questions, um, especially now here in New York City. They just allowed elementary schools to be back in person. We're getting right. a lot of phone calls from parents and guardians asking, like, hey, is it safe for us to go in schools? Like, hey, this kid just sneezed, and I don't know if it's COVID or if it's allergies or they're just being a five-year-old and sneezing. Like, what does that mean? And we're not medical professionals in this job. Right. So it was, um, it's hard to explain that to people that we're not doctors. We're just folks from the community that wanted to step up and were lucky enough to get this job in such a, in a nation that really has seen one of the highest unemployment rates that we've had in a long time. Um, so we have, social workers, we have nurses, uh, we have folks from the public health arena um, and therapists. Those are just a couple of the jobs that I know from my staff and myself um, were prior to this work. And a lot of folks are just getting out of uh, graduate school, whether it's for a public health degree or a degree in social work. 
which I find is probably the most important because having the conversations that we have with people can be really traumatizing and really upsetting. So um, having someone with a background in social work or, or therapy and how to communicate properly with these folks and expressing not only sympathy, but empathy um, with them, trying to explain like, listen, you've been diagnosed with COVID. Here's what that means. Um, it's it's really hard and it's hard on us at the end of the day. Like it's like this job uh, is you know, all day, every day. <laughs> well, and I, I was just going to say that. I mean, I, 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 you know, I can imagine for a lot of people, it's, it's a real shocker. Um, you know, the fear that's out there, you know, for a lot of people uh, of the virus and then to, to get a call, Hey, we think you have the virus, but like you say, at the end of the day, that's got to be just as hard to, to break that news to that person. And then I'm sure some must break down or, or, or however they react. And you just have to listen to that. And, and I'm sure that can't be easy. That's got to, you know, go home with you, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, so we get a lot of mixed emotions. So as a supervisor, I only get the phone calls when people are really irate. Um, and like want to speak to a manager kind of attitude. So I'm already walking into the situation knowing that this individual is really upset or they're angry. We've had a lot of instances of verbal abuse of my staff um, because this person either thinks that we're lying to them or they don't believe in COVID, Um, especially after um, like in November and October during the election cycle, Um, There was a lot of disbelief around COVID um, because of our current president. And regardless of political affiliations, um, there was a lot of misinformation being spread about COVID, a lot of disbelief and mistrust in science. And so that brought up a lot of hatred for our line of work, which is never easy. And so when you're constantly getting phone calls saying, like, you're just part of the government trying to, like, get my information because we like we're calling them and they are like, how do you have my phone number? How do you know who I am? Why are you telling me this? It's uh, it could definitely be a little stressful to constantly get those phone calls. And so what I like to do for my staff and for myself is constantly remind us the importance of self-care. And that doesn't mean just painting your nails and, dancing around the living room. Um, that means calling a friend, calling a loved one and just talking, talking about anything in the world, hopefully not work related, um, getting outside when you can. Um, like today I took a long walk in Central Park just to kind of air it out. I realized that I'm so cooped up in my apartment and like you realize like after working a whole day, nine hours on the phone with people like, hey, I haven't seen the sunshine. Like, hey, I, I haven't opened a window and gotten fresh air in two days. Like I need to go outside. Um, so it's those little reminders to yourself. And so um, I think that's been a really good way to boost our team morale and to help with the burnout rate, especially as we're seeing cases increase. Um Oh, we're seeing a lot of stress with our, um, with my staff and with myself as well. If we're going to be candid, 
So I always remind folks, hey, like do what you need to do, whether it's going to work out somewhere, going for a run, doing a craft, um, listening to a podcast, um, whatever that may be, because we can't bring our emotions into the workplace. We have to be completely neutral. And it's really hard to do when you're constantly being yelled at or having to hear someone sob over the phone or even our own staff have gotten COVID. So having their experience with COVID-19 in this line of work is, uh, it's challenging. (laughs) Well, and you know, like I, 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 I definitely know how, how fortunate I am. Um, you know, I, I'm retired, um, you know, my girlfriend and I, you know, I live together. We're both retired, uh, financially we weren't impacted cause we didn't, we didn't have jobs. So we didn't, you know, that didn't have any effect on us. We, our pensions just kept going the way they were before and there was no impact there. Um, you know, we don't have kids at home that, you know, the issues that a lot of parents have, um, you know, for us that, you know, our everyday lives, like our, you know, was, was very little impact. It was more things like, okay, I can't go, you know, to a restaurant now for, for breakfast or lunch or something. So very minor. And, and, and when talking to somebody like yourself, it really, really makes me realize that I've got it actually pretty easy with this compared to some, you know, and, and I just can't imagine, you know, what, what you have to go through every day. And I mean, it's not like there's, you know, you go and it's okay. I had a bad day and, and I'm, I'm good for the next month. The bad days are so rare. I can just imagine that they're pretty common for you. Yeah. I mean, uh, this is not the easiest job. Um, I think when I tell my friends and family, this is what I do for a living, half of the reactions are, well, isn't that nice? You get to sit in your PJs um, at home because this is, thankfully, um, my position is 100% remote. So I do get to sit in my sweatpants um, on my couch doing this line of work. Um, And the other group of friends and family are concerned and say like, whoa, isn't that like really emotionally like tolling? Like, how are you doing with all of this? Like, are you okay? Like, are you allowed to take a break? And our job is 365. So I've worked every holiday so far. Um, I thankfully was given off on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day which uh, my family celebrates. So I'm thankful to be able to um, like take, take the day off and just call my friends and family, wish them a happy day and kind of relax. Um, But not all of us are able to do that. And for me um, on top of this line of work, I mean, um, I'm also volunteering with two other nonprofit organizations that work in domestic violence during COVID-19. And so when I'm not in this line of work, I spend a lot of time doing research and communicating with folks um, across the United States that have either experienced it themselves or know someone that's experienced domestic violence during this time, because we're seeing um, the rate of violence increase astronomically worldwide. And so when folks are experiencing that, we want to be there for them. We want to talk with them and support them. And it's really hard to do um, to get away from your abuser, to find a shelter when half the shelters are closed because this is COVID. (laughs) And it's uh, like 
this job is emotionally tolling. What I like to do in my free time talking with folks is a little emotionally tolling. So I, um, I'm, I just try to like make sure that I do something for myself every day and try to get myself out of it just to make sure that I'm not sitting in that grief for so long because grief is, I think the feeling that all of us have felt this year, whether it it was due to COVID, whether you lost your job, lost your house, lost someone you love. There's a lot of loss going on this year. And I don't think we talk about grief enough as a society. And grief itself is its own public health issue that we don't talk about. So now that we're all forced to sit in it, it's creating a whole list of issues, shall we say, <laughs> but also well, a list of know- solutions. Well, I, I, I think what's, you know, what's happening is I think a lot of people are just too busy trying to keep their head above water. They're just treading water. They're mm-hmm. just trying not to sink. You know, they're trying to, uh, you know, deal with, with job loss or, or limited income, com, you know, compared to what they had. They're just trying yeah. to keep their family fed. They're trying, you know, and they're worried about keeping their family safe and, and, and you know, all that goes with that. I think a lot of people are just too busy. They got their head down dealing with those issues that they don't even know that, you know, they're what this is doing to their mental health. And, and I don't think they're going to be able to really find that out and, and take the time to deal with it until we get out of this because they're too busy just trying to survive. And I think you're going to see a lot of, you know, a lot of PTSD. I, th- I think people, once this is over, they're just going to be overwhelmed with, with, with emotion because they, they didn't have the time to deal with it while they were going through it. Absolutely. I mean, um, for New York City, we have a hotline that's dedicated um, to um, just talking anonymously about any mental health issues that you have going on. And um, it's called NYC Well, W-E-L-L. Folks can text or call. And we provide this to every single person that we come in contact with at um, within our job. So we have um, it de- designated for our staff, we have it for ourselves, but we also give it out as a resource to the folks that have tested positive or have come into contact with someone positive because COVID-19 is extremely stressful. And um, if you've had it then and had symptoms, like that's its own experience in itself. So everybody has questions, everybody has fears around this. Um, and then when we think of the folks that are essential workers, like our nurses, our doctors, um, all of those staff are seeing folks sick, dying, injured, like they're experiencing their own trauma and their own grief during this time. And those are the folks that really need mental health care the most right now and immediate care. And whether they're getting it or not, it's nice to at least be be able to offer the services that we do here just in New York City. I'm sure everywhere else has their own form of mental health service, Um, but we are seeing an increase in like virtual therapy sessions, like texting services. Um, But I think we need to make them free because this is an economic burden. Well, and, and, you know, I, I think, I guess, the, you know, on, on the good side of things when it comes to, you know, what we're going through with, with mental health is it, it, it has 
shone a light on on a lot of the issues like domestic violence, you know, depression, you know, addiction, all of those things that, you know, it's it's brought more to the light now. People, I, I hope, are understanding it a little more, um, you know, learning a little more about it than, than they were before. Hopefully that will continue and it won't go away once this is over. You know, like I, I think you know the i'd like to think that that when this is you know done that the compassion and and caring and and you know the things like that that people are showing now they continue to to you know keep going with i 100% agree um i tend to think on the optimistic side so i i have faith that folks will kind of step up and continue to step up as we're seeing right now. Um, just earlier this afternoon, I had a friend that um, was posting on social media and normally around the holidays, I feel like a lot of folks will kind of post like, oh, I did a good deed. Look how amazing I am. But instead she chose to highlight her community and she lives in Indiana um, right now. But she said like, hey, um, there are a lot of folks experiencing homelessness in my city and due to COVID, like there's not a lot of shelters. So they're sitting outside all day. Like not only could they be exposed to COVID, but they can also experience like getting the flu or just being unwell because they're constantly outside as it's getting colder and their community stepped up and bought like tents and blankets and big like containers of food and just passed it out to this, I, I don't know the area in Bloomington, Indiana, but there is like a park, I guess, where a lot of folks that experienced homelessness were convening and they mm-hmm. just stepped up as a community and just basically gave them like all of these tents. It, they, um, I remember she said it was about like 20 to 30 tents that they bought and gave just because they saw an issue and they're like, oh, like all these people are just sitting outside. It's so ugly. And so instead of seeing that ugliness and making it um, something like a negative narrative, they instead came together as a community, gave them some shelter, even though it is temporary and it's still outside, but it's better than what they had. And granted, that's not exactly related to COVID. I like, I just think that oh, it's such a beautiful Right now example. it is, for sure. I mean, I, I think... I think a lot of people, um, they want to, you know, they want to help in some way. They just don't know how, or, or, or a lot of people are thinking, I have nothing to offer, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but I, so yeah, I, I, you know, I, I think, I think a lot of people are stepping up, um, going above and beyond. And, and I think more people want to, I, I, I do, I, I'd like to believe that, you know, the, the vast majority of people are, are, are wanting to help as, you know, whoever or however they can. Um, and I, I think in a lot of cases you're seeing it and, and, um, hopefully, like I said, hopefully it just continues. I mean, that's, that's the thing that, that, you know, um, I'm not sure if, if this is all going to be forgotten when we're done with this and everybody goes back to the way they were, you know, dealing with things and doing things before, I don't know if we're going to come out of this any better as people. I'd like to think we will, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I My hope is that, um, I mean, this experience will always be in the history books. 
Um, this is not something that we will forget historically in that sense. And I think this will do a lot in the medical community and the public health community and even the mental health community. But what needs to change or hopefully sustain is the fact that we need to kind of rethink our mindset. And so now when we're in this space, when we can't do anything, some of us are out of work. Um, what really matters is the people around you. And so like when folks are saying, oh, I can't do anything. I don't know what to do. I can't be of any help to folks. The easiest thing you can do is reach out to someone. It sounds silly, but it's true. Reaching out to a friend, reaching out to someone maybe you haven't spoken to in a long time and just saying, hey, I'm thinking about you today. I hope that you're doing well. Like you don't need to respond. I just, I hope you know that I'm thinking of you. And I've personally done that. I reached out to a friend who I haven't spoken to in some time. And now we've re like rebonded and recreated our friendship. And it's been so nice to like have a dedicated time to talk with that person. And at the end of that conversation, I know I'm walking away satisfied. And I know that that person's walking away satisfied. And like, it just alleviates my day. And knowing that I will get to do that once a week with that person, like, kind of gives me a sense of hope um, and something to look forward to that's positive during this time. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and, and some people need that, right? Mm -hmm. You know, they may have been just, just at the low point where the phone rings and, Hey, you know, somebody, somebody cares about enough to phone me. And, and um, like I did the same thing in, you know, in March, the first wave, you know, I, I we were, you know, sort of stuck in the house and stuff. So I, I tried to make a point of, you know, phoning, you know, my brother, my sisters, uh, you know, there's, you know, certain people I try to call at least once a week. And, you know, sometimes it was just a five minute, Hey, how you doing? How you making out? You know, you guys got enough, what, you know, whatever. And, and sometimes it would be like an hour, an hour and a half. So, and I think I got as much out of it as they did for sure, because it, it gave me something to, you know, reach out and just sort of keep connected, I think. Definitely. That sounds like such a great method. Like I know um, when the pandemic first started, um, it was just my mom and I living in um, my childhood home. Um, last year, we suddenly lost my father um, to cancer, which was unexpected. And so when... Sorry, sorry to hear that. Thank you. Um, yeah. So it was a little crazy, a little bit of a whirlwind. We were trying to figure out all the legal documents, all the financial things. And all we wanted was for people to get away from us. <laughs> we just wanted to sit in our grief by ourselves, be with our family, just sit in our grief. Um, and then as we were approaching, like, you know what? I'm feeling good. I think we can go out and socialize again. The pandemic hit mm -hmm. and nobody was allowed to socialize. So my mom and I were kind of joking, like, you know what? This may be the universe telling us that like, we're not ready to socialize yet with people. Um, and that's okay. And so uh, while I was thinking that, my mother was the opposite reaction. And she's someone that's very social. So she needs a lot of people around her all the time. Um, like, very, like, just needs to be around a lot of her friends. And so what she started doing was holding an outside space where, um, like, she would pick, like, whatever the limit was at the time, like, five or six folks like 
come on over. I'll make coffee in like disposable cups that, or bring your own cups. Mm. That way we're not like sharing any liquids or like whatever germs. Um, and I will make individual bags of like snacks for people. She's a fantastic baker. So she would make like brownies or cookies or like cake and stick them in little bags and just give them to her friends and say like, okay, like at least we're all sitting together and like having coffee and chatting, but we're doing it safely. Um, and I think that really helped her mental health and her grief during this time because I mean, my parents celebrated 30 years of marriage that the year that my father passed away. So when she, like all of her children were out of the house. Um, so she kind of thought like, okay, this is the start of my like retirement. And this is the start of my, like the next chapter of my life. And then her husband passed and COVID happened. So then there was just this feeling of doom and isolation. And what am I going to do next? And instead she really stepped up and took charge and said, you know, I'm not going to sit here and wallow in my grief. Instead, I'm going to go out and while helping myself, help my friends around me and like Mm -hmm. invite them over. And she's someone that like, if you say like, oh, I'm feeling hungry, she'll give you a whole menu of things like, oh, what do you want? I can make 30 different things for you right now. And that's her love language. So during this time, it's been really beautiful to see that even though I, since COVID started, I've moved out of the house and living back in Manhattan. Um, but she is constantly making soups now that it's colder. She's making like meals for people. She's making more like coffee dates and all of these things safely. And so it's really nice to, at least in my own family, see that example of like somewhat normalcy um, despite so much change in the last yeah. year. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, if, if if you can get some sort of routine, and, and it's not like going back to a routine, because it may not be the same as what it was before. But if, if you can, like, even with, with you know, with, with your mother and, and her, her group of friends, if they could meet once a week, or, you know, that gives them all something, oh, every Tuesday or whatever it is, oh, our, our Tuesday group whatever coffee in the backyard you know so it gives everybody something to look forward to and and sort of back to some sort of normal normalcy like a bit of a routine i think that's great and i think i think people sort of need that you know a little bit of structure back again after being locked up in the house for so long yeah um i always joke when folks are saying like oh when things get back to normal when things get back to normal and I just kind of sit there. I'm like, I don't think any, I, I don't think things will ever go back to the way it was um, between like the current health epidemic that's happening. Um, I think people are going to be a little bit more wary now when going into a big space. Um, I don't see the wearing of masks going away anytime soon. I think um, even if it becomes optional in the future, I think folks will still wear it, especially if you're going on an airplane or a bus, some of those public transportation. Um, at least for myself, I know that <laughs> that is probably what I'll be doing for a couple of years until I feel a little more um, comfortable in that space. But I, I yeah, think it'll no, this be longer <laughs> than a couple of years. I mean, I, I think I think those who lived through this are going to be 
I think in the back of their mind, they're always going to be a little, a little hyper vigilant thinking it can happen again. You know, you're going to take those masks and you're not going to throw them in the garbage. You're going to stick them in a, in a cupboard or stick them in a drawer somewhere, mm-hmm. but you're going to know where they are and, and, and you're going to have them because I think we're all going to, you know, we're all going to sort of be a little, it, it's, is it going to happen again? Am I going to be ready? Is it, you know, it, if it did once it can again. And I think we're all going to just be a little on edge and I think it's going to take a very long time till that goes away. Absolutely. I think the mindset, um, at least of being prepared, like, am I prepared right now? Um, God forbid this ever happens again. Um, I don't think that feeling will go away. I know for myself, we have a closet um, just filled to the brim when we are allowed to buy more than one roll of toilet paper, like of toilet paper and paper towels and cleaning solution and soap. We have so much soap because we are just nervous. And now we're thinking like, should we be buying more canned goods just in case like the grocery stores go like haywire? And um, we're trying to make larger meals so we can kind of space them out. And we don't, um, I think it's also like, it's taught me at least in the last year or so, it's taught me to how to be more responsible, I guess, when it comes to my shopping and my food, like we really don't try to waste anything. And as someone who's 26, um, I've really, I'm still getting into adulthood. Um, I graduated from graduate school um, at 24. And so I was constantly in school all those years and that's a different mindset. And then going out into a space on your own, um, you kind of are forced to grow up a little bit more and learn all those things that maybe a parent was supposed to teach you or you either learn through failure <laughs> or experience. Um, and so now I'm learning every day like, hey, all right, when I buy this product, it needs. I want to make sure that I'm able to use it for a long time instead of yeah. like the fast, like fast yeah, fashion. Yeah, I mean, the rules are different, use. right? Well, you know, what, what you're what your mother and you know and your and your father would have taught you growing up isn't the same as 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 how we're doing things today and and yeah i mean like i i i do all the all, all the grocery shopping here my girlfriend stays home so only one of us goes to the store mm. and every once in a while i just do i mean sometimes i do the dumbest things i'll i'll come home with this big thing of you know, a pack of four big liquid soaps or something. And then it's like, she just, sometimes she just shakes her head. And I just, I just, you know, I, I just don't want to be caught without. And, and I, she knows that, that that's, it's almost like, you know, I love her and that's kind of, I'm trying to, that's my way of protecting her, I guess, uh, or both of us for sure. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, sometimes I just come home with, with some of the stuff and she's just like, what are you doing? You know, and eh, whatever. Yeah. I mean, I think it's always better to have it than to not have it. And you don't want to be caught in that situation where you're standing online at a grocery store for three hours because you needed one thing of soap. And then you wait online, you wait online, you get there and they don't have any. Like, it's a horrible feeling. And I think it's also like, that's a big reason why we're seeing such a push for online shopping. Like you're Mm -hmm. seeing so many more people buying things online. Like I'm, I've not, was not someone pre COVID that would buy things online. Um, 
And now it's kind of forced my hand a little bit because I was always nervous going into a grocery store. I'd say like, okay, I know um, I really only want to be here for about 10 minutes because uh, because of COVID rules. Like not everybody respects the six feet of space um, right. or more. So like, okay, I know if I'm like when I was back home living with my mom, like my childhood grocery store, I knew where everything was. Like I knew if I can get in and out, maybe I could do it in 10 minutes um, like run, run, run. But now here in Manhattan, um, I don't have that luxury. I'm still acclimating to my grocery store and trying to figure out, okay, where are the sesame seeds or, okay, where was that, that pepper that I needed? Um, or sometimes you're just waiting online for a long time because everyone thinks that like everyone just decides to go grocery shopping at the same time. And then I hyperventilate, like, I'm standing online too long. These people are too close to me. Like they have masks, mm-hmm. but I'm okay. And then it just, uh, like once you get into the store, there are so many people in there. Then it's like, is it even worth it to be in here? Because now I just feel like I'm going to be exposed just trying to get my daily groceries or um, my weekly groceries. Um, but I like your method of sending one person in um, just to make sure we we did that at first. We tw- we switched off the la- the first couple of months. Um, I would go to the grocery store, and now I live with my boyfriend, and now he goes to the grocery store once a week. But we limit it to that once a week. That way, I'm like if you forgot something, tough. You'll get it next week because now you know. Uh, that yeah, you got we're, it. <laughs> I, I mean, how 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 much are you guys locked down there right now? Um. Well, in New York City. Um, Things are like okay. They have like a, I think it's twenty five percent opening for like restaurants. Even though as of today, um, we're going back to zero indoor dining um, starting next week. So all of those restaurants, it'll be a little nerve wracking to see what happens with them. Um, grocery stores are okay. They do have a capacity, so there's someone that stands outside and like counts how many times you like how many folks go in at a time. Um, so it feels a little normal. It feels like there's a lot of people walking around and hustling and doing their thing. But, uh, for myself, I am really wary of going out. So I like, if I leave my apartment at all, it's to go to the grocery store, um, to go for a walk or to go rock climbing occasionally, because I know the place is really safe and I've vetted it out. (laughs) <laughs> but that's the only space that I'm getting. And I know my friends that are living around here, my family that's living around here, they're all kind of going through the same thing. Like they go, if they have to go to work, if they have a job right now, they go in, like they go into the office for however um, much time they need them to. Sometimes it's once a week. Sometimes it's once every two weeks. So they'll get tested if they have to go into the office because they're never like, I, I guess it's not always the safest space. I went to my office for the first time since my job started in May. I went two weeks ago um, and I was like, okay, you know, I work for health and hospitals. This is a safe place. I'm feeling good. And then I got a text the next week saying, hey, someone tested positive in that office that you were in. So uh, you should probably get yourself tested. And I was like, great. Do you know who it was? No. I'm like, 
okay. Um, cool. Well, I was just face to face with someone the other day. So now I have to tell them and being yeah. in the space where now as the person who was like, who's the supervisor, now I have to do the job on myself and make right. those phone calls. It is definitely an interesting experience if you are the one actually going through it now. And thankfully, yeah. I've tested negative since. But um, when I go to get tested, every time I go get tested, they always say, like, hey, what's your line of work? Are you working right now? What do you do? And every single time when I say, hey, my role is um, a contact tracing supervisor, they're like, oh, great. I have a question for you. Right. And I appreciate it. Um but I also don't have all the answers and it's really hard when I have like friends or family or strangers that know my line of work will be like, Hey, like I have a question. That's why I sneeze. Does that mean I'm going to die? Yeah. Oh yes. Especially we had a family member that tested positive for COVID pretty early on. And thankfully he's okay. Now he had zero symptoms and like, thankfully it was just a routine like doctor's appointment and he was like, Hey, your temperature is a little high. And then he got a COVID test, tested positive and is okay now. But when that happened, my family kind of went berserk and was like, Oh my gosh, Maddie, what does this mean? I'm like, what? Yeah. I'm, I'm not, yeah, a, I think there I'm was not a doctor. Too many, too many unknowns at the beginning, <laughs> you know, people just didn't know. Um, like for us, we, you know, we heard, you know, on the news and everything and we thought, at first that if you were, um, if you were younger than 70 and, and relatively mm-hmm. healthy, you were going to be okay. Even if you got it, you would get it, but it would just be like a flu, a little worse than normal, but you'd be fine. Like you were, you would get through it. You'd be okay. And you know, now we know that obviously not to be true. And, and this thing has almost been like a moving target. Like you just, it, it's just, I, I don't know if it's evolved or we just keep learning more about it, but it, it, that's to me, part of the scary thing is that you just don't know. We still don't know exactly what this is going to do. Yeah. That is a big fear going on right now. I think, um, at least for me as well, there's, um, within our work, the guidelines are always changing and whether that's the language that we use, um, whether that's our shifts are changing. Like, as I said before, we're, a 365 operation. And so folks are not always used to that. And so when I say like, Hey, I have to dole out the schedule and guess what? You're working on Christmas Eve. Folks are like, wait, what? Like, no, no, I don't want to do that. I'm like, "Mm, I'm I'm sorry, but you have to, that's the rule or um, like we're seven days a week. So I work like as soon as we open on Sunday mornings and nobody likes getting a phone call at Sunday on a Sunday morning. Um, even if like that's the day to sleep in. And so when I'm giving you a call saying like, hi, like you have been tested or you've been exposed, they're like, wait, hold on. Like, what does that mean? And so then you just spend your Sunday explaining what that means to people. And, um, it's, we're getting like a mixed bag of results. A lot of people are like really angry. As I said before, they're angry, confused, upset. Um, I think people don't always know their emotional health or how to get it out properly. So what actually may be going on internally is that they're scared, but it's coming across really angry. Like 
we've had to hang up on calls because they were getting, we were getting cursed out. We were being threatened. Um, it is, I mean, New Yorkers are, um, notoriously a little, a little angry, a little on edge. So, uh, (laughs) it's, we all, we all knew that, but it's different when you're actually the person having like being berated by a stranger. Um, and it's not face to face, so you can't see the tone. You can't see the, their body language. You're just hearing this over the right. phone. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I don't know all the answers. I don't have the science behind this. Like, in our, it's written in our rules that we are not medical professionals, so we cannot provide medical guidance. Like, we are just here to provide resources for folks across New York City, uh, whether it's like pharmacy prescription pickup or we're going to drop off groceries for you or our mental health hotline. Like there's only so much that we can do. And so when folks were like, wait a second, but I tested positive and then I tested negative and then I tested positive again. And then I tested negative again. I, I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what that means. I'm, I'm not a doctor. And guess what? The doctors probably don't know either because this is a brand new virus this is con this is new for us. Things are constantly changing. Like even on our own government, like we're seeing the rules change and the conversations change because we are still learning about this. So my hope is that within the next five to ten years we'll have like consistent language around this. And that way we can teach future students in medical in the medical field, in the public health field and the mental health field and emergency management on how to handle this and look back at as an, an example of like, Hey, we didn't know what we were doing for the first couple of months, but then eventually we got our act together. Well, you, you know what? And, and this is from, from, you know, a Canadian watching what, you know, what's going on there. Um, I, I, a part of your problem, not your problem. And it's here too. Don't, don't get me wrong. And it, it, it isn't mm. just, you know, this is happening in Canada as well. There's a certain group of people percentage that will never believe that this is real. It's just the flu and they're never going to believe that it's any more than that. And we saw in the news a couple of weeks ago, um, I think it was like Grand Forks or Fargo or something where, where a nurse was, was, was explaining how um, as people were dying, they were pushing her away saying, why are you wearing a mask? Take that off. I don't have COVID. And this is while they were, they were actually passing away as the, as this was happening. So some people are just never going to believe this. And, and I'm sure that when, when, you know, when you have to make these calls, you must get people that just, just they just don't believe it. doesn't matter what you yeah. say what science you back it up with, they're never going to believe what you're telling them. Yep. Uh, that is a hundred percent true. Um, just recently I had a phone call where a husband and wife both were tested positive. Um, but he was asymptomatic. He wanted to go back out in to, he worked at a restaurant. He wanted to work and couldn't explain like, no matter how long I explained it for, like, sir, you have COVID, like you need to stay home and isolate. And then he's like, no, like my doctor said I was fine. I'm like, okay, well, like, I think what he may have said was you will be fine. 
after you isolate. But right now you need to isolate. Mm. And so a lot, I think there's a lot of misinformation. There's a lot of jargon going out there. And so um, folks are not necessarily understanding that there's a difference also between quarantining versus isolation. Um, right. Earlier, we provided certain language on how many days you need to stay inside if you are quarantining versus you are isolating. And now the CDC has changed those. So when we're still using that old language of quarantine 14, so like staying home for two weeks, um, if you are exposed versus the 10 days of isolation, now it's um, brought down to a week per the CDC, but we're still using that language of 10 days. Folks are like, wait a second, you're just trying to get me from my job. Like you want my job. You like you want me to be fired? Like, how could you? I thought you were an American. I thought you respected me. And I'm like, sir, I don't know you, but I do respect you. Like, I, I respect your decisions. However, like, I also want to protect the public right. from you because you have COVID. So, like, our so the program that I run, like, um, this contact tracing initiative is optional. So we don't force anyone to participate, we make it optional for them. And we say like, listen, this is an optional service. We're here to provide education, support, and resources for you. And like, if you would like to participate, you may, but if not, like we understand, however, you also need to listen to us that you have COVID and you need to stay home and you need to stay safe. And we've gotten every answer from like, pure gratitude saying thank you for the work you do to like what's your name I'm gonna come find you and beat you senseless right. because you're not right and you're like just spouting out whatever garbage that the media is providing you so you kind of learn to develop a thick skin if you haven't done so already um and so not everyone is good at that not everyone is very good at handling that and Something that I do with my team is that we have um, every meeting that we have. So every day we have a quick 15 minute like team huddle and we say like, okay, before we get into any content that we have, what is one good thing that has come out of your day so far? And it doesn't matter if we just had this meeting at nine o'clock in the morning or at nine o'clock at night when our day ends. Like it doesn't matter. What's one good thing that came out? That way we're starting the conversation with a positive mindset, um, where we do breathing exercises, we do yoga, um, we have parties, we do have Zoom parties, um, just to kind of get out of that space. And when folks say like, hey, I had a really difficult phone call where someone was calling me and sobbing because her and her five kids all tested positive. We all, it's so great coming together and seeing our whole team sit in that not say like, well, like, you know, it's their fault for it, whatever. Instead, we all come together and we're like, wow, how can we support you during this time? Because while that person may be having a really difficult time, like, how are you handling this? Because you are the person that has to tell them they're positive and you have to sit there listening to the reaction that this person is having. So like you are seeing all this emotion happening. So it's been really nice. And for me, at least, I'm, I'm extremely lucky with the team that I have because we're a bunch of empathetic folks and they are not afraid to share their stories and their experiences. 
So it's really nice to be able to be 100% open and honest with each other and having those conversations saying like, yeah, this is a really bad day. Like I'm having a really rough day. Or they may be saying like, hey, today was awesome. Like someone called called us just to thank us for the work that we're doing and, and asked if they could send us something. Um, and so instead, when we get those types of phone calls, we say like, we're remote, so please don't send anything to us. What you should be doing is sending it to your local hospitals or clinics because those the folks that are working in person 24-7 are the ones that need to get the thank you cards, get dinners sent in because, like, yes, this is an exhausting line of work, but thankfully I'm able to do it from my apartment, from my home. Right. Yeah. But you know, I, I, I think, I mean, just, just the toll that, that, it, that, it, you know, takes on you and your team, I, I'm sure that, you, you, you know, it's, it's good that you know that it, it's okay to, to, to be sad. It's okay to feel, you know, bad about, you know, having to tell somebody this or, uh, you know, it's okay to, 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 to feel that because, you're going to feel it anyway. So, so you might as well confront what it is and, and leave, you know what I mean? Instead of just burying it down and like trying to act like a robot, because I think in the end, you're just going to hurt yourself. Yeah. Um, I, so from day one, I sat down with my team and said like, listen, this is not going to be an easy line of work. Um, this is going to be really emotionally tolling. And so my expectation is that I am going to be 100% transparent and honest with you, whether that's um, through things about our work from guidelines and rules or my emotions. Like I'm not someone who is shy about how I feel. Um, and so I am very open. And if, I, if I'm experiencing a bad day, I let them know right away and say, listen, like I'm not having the best day right now. Like I'm going to go take a 10-minute break. I just need to give myself a different mindset right now and try to pet myself up. And so like, if you need me, please do not get, like give me 10 minutes and then I will be back. And when I come back, I see messages filled with support saying, Hey, like, um, do you want me to take over this? Do you want me to run this meeting for you? Like, how are you doing? Um, and so my hope and what I tell them and say, listen, like, we don't know each other, so I, that is totally okay if you do not want to reciprocate your like your feelings with me. However, you need to know that I am here for you 24-7. Like, even out of work hours, like, I want to be here for you. I am your resource. I am your advocate. I am, like, a virtual shoulder to cry on. So I've been really lucky with the relationship I've had with my staff over the last seven months where they've been open to sharing great news with me, sharing bad news with me. Um, we've had some graduations from school. We had folks getting married. Um, we've had folks, um, I'm trying to think someone had a baby, but we've also seen the negative sides. Like someone lost a parent. Someone, um, Someone's child was diagnosed with covid um, someone was put in a hospital. And so seeing that toll on top of the work that we're already doing is, uh, it's so difficult to see, but it's, it's almost lucky that I'm able to experience that with my staff because 
were able to sit in it together and they know that they have at least a group of a dozen or so of us reaching out and knowing that they have someone to rely on and support during this time. And even though they have their own friends and family, they know that they have a work family that they can go to for support. Yeah. Um, so one last question, um, cause I know we're, we're, we're getting a little long on time. Um, how, how has this affected your relationship with your boyfriend? Mm. Hmm. So it's a good question. <laughs> so pre COVID, uh, we were not living together. So, uh, he lived in, in New Jersey and I lived, uh, in New York. So we weren't too far apart. Um, and we've been together for a number of years. Um, and so once COVID hit, we were like, you know what, how cool would it be if we just kind of traveled around? And so thankfully both of our jobs became remote. He was lucky to keep his job and, uh, he's able to be remote. So we decided to, during the summer months, we kind of packed up my car and drove across the, like, the northern part of uh, the United States, I guess. And um, we got to almost reconnect in our own way. And so we uh, were living in an Airbnb in Maine. We lived in New Hampshire. We lived in different parts of upstate New York. And just being able to explore the small towns that we were living in, um, get outside and go hiking was really nice. And just being able to be with each other during this time because we both felt isolated living at home with our parents. And we're like, okay, listen, like this was lovely, but like, let's just see what happens. Let's move in together during COVID. Like who cares? Like if, if we really, if we can't take it, if we can't handle it, then we'll move. We'll, one of us will move back home. No big deal. Um, but he's been a huge support during this time. Um, his family, his mom works in a hospital. So we constantly talk about COVID and what the protocols are in a hospital versus my line of work. Um, so it's been really great to see their support there. Um, but he's been super supportive during this time. Um, for me, at least he's been, um, like cooks and cleans. He's a, he listens to me when I need to yell about something. Um, sounds like a keeper to me. Yeah. (laughs) And when one of us has a meeting or I need to talk to someone um, who may or may not have COVID, he's always respectful of my space. And afterwards, if I look to him a certain way, like, hey, I'm going to start crying in a second. He's like, oh, okay. Like, all right. What what happened? So um, it kind of became a blessing in disguise that this all happened during COVID. And one thing we try to constantly do is just think about all the positive things that have happened during COVID. So for me, um, I was unemployed pre-COVID and now I have a job. Um, that's not only a job, but it's in my field. Um, it's something I love to do. And um, like he's able to see like how I kind of transform in my role a little bit. It's learning, um, teaching me about leadership. Um, I was able to find an organization that I love and work with them alongside them during COVID and support them. Um, we were able to move in together, which was so lucky, and that all of our family is healthy and safe. Um, thankfully, we were each able to see our respective families for Thanksgiving, but we made sure that it was just our nuclear family, 
everybody got tested prior to, everybody had negative results, and everybody quarantined, and no one left the house for a week prior right. to. That way we could all be safe. And yeah, I think that was so, so lucky because it, it was months without seeing our families and just each other. So it's, uh, it's a little, if you're with the same person 24 seven, you know, that sometimes you can get a, a little snippy or yeah, yeah. you just need space from them. Um, like in any situation, but I think COVID-19 and this pandemic has, uh, for me at least made me realize all the people like my, all the people that I value in my life and all of the the folks that I keep in my zone one, I guess, in my most personal circle. So I, it's nice to be able to communicate with friends and say, listen, like you are someone that I really value and love. I want to keep you in my space with me. I hope you're doing well. And we are able to kind of figure out our values and during this time. And so it's, we're trying to keep, think of the good within the bad. So as, as much as we're all struggling during this pandemic, um, it's nice to think of everything that we've accomplished during this time. You know, I, I, I'd, I'd like to say thank you for, for your service and, and, and what you're doing. Um, I know that I'm not, you know, an American. I, I'm down here in Canada, but I, <laughs> I believe that what you're doing benefits all of us. I, there are no borders to this to this virus. And, you know, uh, I think what good, you know, you're doing up there affects all of us, even down here. Or sorry, up here, you're down there. Um <laughs> Thank you. And and really, I, I I think I think it's great what you're doing, and and you know, thank you. I I think you're a hero, and and uh, I think I think uh, I don't think enough people probably tell you that, but from Canada, we think you're a hero. Thank you. I really appreciate it, and I will certainly relay that on to my staff and my coworkers because they don't hear that enough either. So. For sure. Yeah, and I want to thank you for and inviting me on. This was lovely. No, it's been great. And thanks for sharing, Madeline. And stay safe. Thank you.